0: Just a little over two weeks ago, I was in Toronto. I love that city. It was early fall, so the weather's still nice. I spent as much time as I could exploring retail places, but a lot of my time was spent down on Front Street at the convention center. ICSC, which is the trade group for the retail real estate industry, was having their Canadian conference. One of the hot topics that seemed to be on a lot of people's lips was about how retail plays a role in mixed-use developments. One of the people that I talked to was Jean Lambert, who's head of the research department at ICSC. And uh, we're gonna actually get to my conversation with him in just a few minutes. But first, another conversation that I had with one of Canada's true retail insiders. The first time I met Craig Patterson, he took me on a walking retail tour of Toronto. Do you remember this? I do. Yes, and you had a story for every storefront. It seemed like all the store owners knew you. You knew the background of every construction project. An hour with Craig left my mind reeling. So let's get our audience's mind reeling too. On this episode, we've got Craig Patterson. Among other things, he's editor-in-chief at Retail Insider.
1: Live from Toronto, it's
0: where we buy. You're listening to Where We Buy. It's the show about the things we buy and the places we buy them. We are recording live in front of a studio audience at Metro Toronto Convention Center on the stage at ICSC Canadian Conference. My name is James Cook. I research retail and real estate for JLL. Where We Buy is a show where we visit shopping spots around the world, and we talk with retail experts like Craig Patterson. So Craig, you are editor-in-chief at Retail Insider, but you also do wear other hats as as well, right? I do. I'm
1: not wearing any today, but figuratively, yes.
0: (laughs) Your hair looks lovely, sir. Thank
1: you. It's... L'Oreal. No. <laughs> Where we buy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes, I'm actually also a retail cons- uh, research consultant at the Retail Council of Canada. So I'm working on a study about Canadian shopping centers. I'm also a director at the University of Alberta School of Retailing. And then uh, I do a little bit of consulting on the side and uh, pretty much anything else that I can put my hands into that you know will
0: take my time and give me no personal life whatsoever. Let's talk about malls because I know one of your jobs is you collect... Um, statistics around um, mall sales at all of the malls in Canada. So, are you working on that, or is that about to be published? Where's that at? I think it's going to be published in November. I've got the
1: numbers already collected. Yorkdale Shopping Center is a bit of a spoiler; is uh, number one again in Canada, and uh, it's going to probably hit two thousand dollars a square foot at some point. Not this year. It was in I think 1965 is the number that I've got. So uh, again, we're giving these before they come out in the study. But you know, Yorkdale is uh, you know it's a bit of a powerhouse in terms of being a a shopping center. And what's really interesting about Yorkdale is it's got you know a mixture of luxury brands. Uh, I mean, you know, it's going to give South Coast Plaza and Ball Harbor Shops a run for their money at some point. Uh, you know, but it's also got, you know, entertainment. It's got food and beverage, and it's got cool concepts like Dyson. I mean, it's it's everything for everyone. Uh, you know, big stores, you know, flagships, sporting goods. These are all coming into Yorkdale. I think it's really, really a dynamic shopping center.
0: We had a chance to pop into Yorkdale. Was that yesterday? It seems like so long ago. We were in Yorkdale yesterday. And uh, yes, different parts feel like they, ha- they have different, th- there's, you know, the luxury wing, you know, uh, and then there's another area that, oh, I saw OVO from, from Drake. I'm sure that's breaking in the cash as well. So they have a lot of there's a lot of concepts there that that it's the only location in the country, you know, and that seems to me ma- what makes them special. Would you say?
1: Definitely yes. And um, there is sort of a theme to the different uh, hallways or whatever we want to call them, the aisles, the you know mallways uh, at Yorkdale. What I think is really neat is I'm sort of watching this transformation where n- these new halls for luxury brands are being created. So um, I won't say the tenant yet, but uh, right around Sephora and Zara, there's going to be a very well-known luxury brand opening a large. Store there, and if basically that aisle, which currently has, you know, say a Fairweather and Disney, and you know, these will basically either be moved or will leave the shopping center, and they're going to have these new, you know, luxury stores moving in. And we've already seen that happen in other parts near Holt Renfrew, and so it's not like it's just one wing with fancy stores, it's Basically, like a quadrant in the shopping center. So again, this is sort of that South Coast Plaza model. South Coast Plaza is a high-end shopping center in Costa Mesa, and Orange County, in uh, California, and you know lots of expensive stores. So Yorkdale's kind of becoming like that, but I think Yorkdale is much cooler because you know it's got crazy concepts, like you know it's got a Dyson store and it's got you know Tesla, which is quite interesting, and you know it's it's got
0: you know different concepts, a KitKat store. I mean, I saw that. What it's not open yet, but what's a KitKat store? You just is it a KitKat of a million flavors, or what? That's what's that going to be all about? I sure hope so, <laughs> I know,
1: right? I want those Japanese flavors, the ones that we weren't able to traditionally get here. I think there's something about customization as well. Um, I'm not sure what
0: it'll all entail, but uh, you know, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, well, I am definitely going to come back and uh, check out that Kit Kat store the next time I'm in town. So we've got this growing uh, sort of luxury nodes within these best-in-class shopping centers. Historically luxury's been sold on high streets. So what are the what are the main high street nodes in Canada and are they being affected by these malls hor- horning in on their territory?
1: That's a really good question. This is something that I've been thinking about uh, a little bit because I, I don't want to, you know, bring negativity into it, but I think that suburban shopping centres in Canada are actually hitting the main streets right now. Um, in Vancouver, for example... Now, I'm excited for the Oak Ridge Centre redevelopment that's happening. You know, Quadreal as a developer, is, uh, you know, redoing Oak Ridge Centre. Uh, you know, amazing project, spectacular... But they're looking at creating a luxury wing in there. And it's going to happen because already Tiffany is. And what city is this in? In Vancouver. In Vancouver. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, Vancouver. So, you know, traditionally, and it's still a case for the most part, luxury brands in Vancouver are downtown. You know, they're around Alberni Street, Burrard Street. You know, there's a few streets in that area that you know, I kind of coined this term luxury zone. And, uh, you know, right between the Hotel Vancouver, basically, and the Shangri-La. And now with, say, Oak Ridge, you know, adding luxury brands, I mean, I think that some of these brands, because they cannot find space downtown, are actually going to move to Oak Ridge. And when you create a clustering of luxury brands, rich people are going to go there and shop. Yorkdale is a really great example. A Holt Renfrew store is a really great example, because it's basically a, conces- a concession model that's almost like a little mini shopping center that's a department store, right? It's it's shown to be successful. So, you know, the question is, where does this leave our high streets in our cities? And with Bloor Yorkville in Toronto, for example, like, Again, you know, lots of fancy, expensive stores, but Yorkdale has all kinds of stores that you cannot find in Yorkville. And that's, in, you know, a large Bottega Veneta, Valentino, uh, you know they've all come to Yorkdale first so the question is you know with the high streets what's going to happen uh, Montreal I mean I don't want to be disparaging the Royal Mount but you know Royal Mount is talking to some very very major luxury brands and uh, you know downtown Montreal uh, you know has already struggled in terms of you know at one time when I was a kid I, I'm turned 43 tomorrow and uh, you know Sherbrooke Street when I was a kid was a luxury shopping street and now they're really after Holt Renfrew closes in the spring there are only two stores left uh, it's going to be Tiffany and Escott and, you know, there was Cartier and Garo, Yves Saint Laurent. All these stores were there, you know, in the 80s and the 90s. And now, you know, with Royal Mount adding luxury, where, where is that going to leave, you know, downtown Montreal? It's, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. Edmonton, same thing. West Edmonton Mall. Uh, Louis Vuitton moved to West Edmonton Mall. Louis Vuitton moved into CF Chinook Center in Calgary. Uh, you know, what's going to happen to those downtown cores? Well, in
0: Edmonton, Holt Renfrew closing uh, in uh, January. Wow. Well, first off, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> second off. You know, you bring up West Edmonton Mall. So let's talk a little bit about that. I feel like one of the great uh, exports from Canada to U.S. is the model of mall that Triple Five has created with West Edmonton. For listeners who aren't aware, what makes that mall... Sp- Tell us a little bit about what makes that mall special.
1: West Edmonton Mall is essentially an entertainment center that has shopping. So I wouldn't even actually, Don is maybe he's left already, but he was here and I watched him on the news, he was saying that, you know, they no longer call their shopping centers, malls. Uh, I mean, really, they've become destinations that have entertainment. You you can go skating, you can go to a water park, you can see a show. Um, There happen to be stores, you know, great restaurants. So really what they've done is they've created a center that people can go to to be entertained. And I was just in Edmonton last week myself. I went to West Edmonton Mall. And what's funny is... You know, I live in Toronto, I find I do a lot of my shopping in Edmonton, because I go to West Edmonton Mall, and I am compelled to spend money, because I'm in this environment that is conducive to it, and I feel like I'm on a mini vacation, and I'm enjoying myself, and I think that's why resort retail works quite often, in places like Banff, and, uh, you know, Whistler, BC, because, uh, you know, or Aspen, Colorado, people are there to, you know, have a good time and they're willing to part with money because it's part of that leisure experience. And I think that if we're able to create that experience somehow, either in our shopping centers or, you know, in our downtown cores, hopefully maybe like say Paris or London, uh, you know, retail can thrive, but you know, retail is hyper competitive and it's just getting a lot more competitive. I'm seeing as, you know, we see all these new retailers coming in and these shopping center landlords, re- you know, developing or redeveloping their properties.
0: Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, Don Garmazian uh, of, of triple five, which developed West Edmonton mall they took i feel like they took what they learned and they outdid themselves then with mall of america in the states and now with american dream which is opening like next month i think october 24th or 25th is one of the two it'll only be
1: the entertainment opening
0: the stores open in march Okay. So phase one is opening and, uh, they've got an indoor theme park. They've got an indoor ski slope. Uh, we got a, an advanced tour of the construction site a few months ago. The ski slope, it's a for real ski slope inside. It's a, it's amazing. It's a for real theme park inside. Like, uh, this is how to do entertainment and retail together. I'm, I'm really impressed. We recently ran this survey where we found a lot of people want new and interesting retail concepts. So I've seen that there's some new concepts coming on the scene here in Canada. Anything that pops out at you as fun and exciting?
1: Good question. I mean, like, what can I actually reveal publicly? Ah. (laughs) Because I just found a couple of really neat ones. We'll bleep it out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, uh, some of the automobile uh, retailers are starting to do some really interesting stuff and are doing some, you know, kind of, First, a country concepts, or if even first in the world. And, uh, you know, one of the deals I think was just completed, but I'm not allowed to say it. But, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting. It's in a shopping center that we've, uh, you know, spoken about uh, during this conversation. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's really neat. But, you so know, so
0: it's in, to be clear, it's an unnamed automaker in an unnamed shopping center that's going to do something interesting. Okay. I have some guesses. <laughs> I have some guesses, but I'm not, I'm going to ask you afterward and we'll, we'll see what I, see if I got it right. What about, I've seen a lot of interesting Asian concepts opening up, deciding that Canada is going to be their entryway into North America. Um, Interesting like kind of dollar store concepts. I mean, what what are those all about?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're seeing a lot of brands from overseas coming to Canada. I do a little tally every year. You know, we saw about 30 international uh, retailers coming to Canada last year, 50 the year before. But with these, you know, Asian retailers, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got Mini So, and then we've got this Mumu So, and Omumu, which actually is Vancouver based. I think it gets, it gets confusing. You actually have to look at the history of these brands. Um, you know, Innisfree, you know, the beauty brand out of Korea has just come in here, you know, that's at Yorkdale, and they'll be opening at the C. Tron Wheaton Center. Pretty soon, whenever construction is done, I guess. And uh, yeah, I mean, Canada's seen as a bit of a darling in terms of you know international brands coming into to Canada. And some of the brands that we'd spoken to actually said rather than say entering the North American market through New York City they would enter the market through Toronto and in some cases Vancouver, you know, depending, like King Living, for example, a furniture concept came into Vancouver recently and, you know, we've seen a few other, um, what's, uh, Kimberlite Diamonds, you know, a lot of these brands have, you know, looked to Canada to open their first locations and I think, you know, one of the many reasons is that, you know, in some cases our rents are a little bit cheaper up here and, you know, the dollar is a bit lower and and Canadians are shopping and I, w- I was speaking to, you know, the head of uh, Links of London uh, with Fully Foley Group and she was saying that, you know, Canadians are still shopping, but she didn't see the same in the United States. And she was very bullish on this market more so than she was south of the border. And that's why I think we have more links of London stores in Canada,
0: excluding, I guess the Bloomingdale's concessions than there are in the United States right now. Well, let me throw this out out there and see what you think. I think my thesis, my hypothesis is that Americans and Canadians are shopping the same amount, but Americans have a lot more physical stores, uh, to choose from and so that kind of diffuses the retail dollar. Does that make sense to you? I think so. Like the United States has quite a bit more square footage uh, per capita uh, for
1: retail space. Uh, I think for shopping centers it was about a bit under 24 square feet per person in the United States versus about I think, 16.5 in Canada. I don't remember the exact numbers but International Council of Shopping Centers actually put those uh, numbers out and they haven't changed drastically although you know they are predicting in the United States that by you know early 2020s uh, maybe 25 percent of the malls would close i mean that seems a little bit that's drastic. a little
0: overstated if you ask me but you know we'll see Exactly. Yeah. And I
1: mean, in some cases, we're seeing in Canada, we're not seeing so much the shopping centers close. We're seeing, you know, developers redevelop these properties and say so something that's more lucrative. And one of the biggest trends that I've seen, you know, being here and, you know, talking to landlords that I think is really, really fascinating is the redevelopment of shopping centers. And it's not that they're getting rid of the shopping centers. They're adding housing and they're adding other mixed uses to, number one, make more money off of the land that they own and are operating in terms of, uh, you know, the properties, but also to, like, say, add shoppers to the shopping centers themselves. Some of the profits could be used to, you know, redevelop the shopping centers to make them better, to compete against their neighbors, uh, you know, other shopping centers in the region that, you know, they're trying to compete against. And what's interesting about Canada is we've got these world-class shopping center landlords that are doing
0: some amazing things. We're going to return to my conversation with Craig in just a few minutes. But first, I want to check in with Jean Lambert, ICSC's head of research. I know you guys just did a big thing on mixed use. What can you tell me about mixed use? I mean, it's got to be good for
2: retail, right? It is good for retail because I think it's more about like now the blending of retail with other alternative uses. And there's definitely an interest in, um, in basically consuming that way. That the shopping center is not just about retail, it's about experience, it's about authenticity, but it's also about like basically a shopping center becoming a consumer center. And in that sense, uh, people want to shop, but they also want to go to the gym, or they want to entertain themselves, go to ra- restaurants, or... To go to healthcare uh, urgent care clinic and uh the, our numbers our recent um surveys clearly shows that uh we did one um early april in the US and we just completed exactly the same in, here in Canada and what is a little bit more astonishing um in the US you had about four out of five people, let's say, interested to reside in a live, work, play, and shop environment, in Canada, it's nine out of ten. It's even higher than the U.S. I'm a little bit surprising, but at the same time, when you start thinking about it, here in Canada, the, the, the country is a little different. It's much more concentrated. In six markets, you have like 80% of urban markets, you have 80% of the country. And also, people never laugh really downtowns in Canada. So you have a lot of um, residential, um, a huge residential component in Canada, but also downtown, you always have those kind of mixed-use environment as well. And I always say that I think it's also related to the weather conditions that during winter. Like people don't want necessarily to drive too far to get at, to have access to all the different things that they need, they need to consume. And, uh, if you go to downtown Montreal, you'll have things very similar here to Toronto, like the Eden Center. You have plenty of them on the grounds. It's a very popular thing in Canada that you don't really see in the U.S. And I think that's, um, the Canadian consumers have been exposed to this kind of concept, like having this blend um, all over. So it does make sense that in a way they'd be willing, because they they kind of can relate to the concept right away, where in the U.S. I think that was new for a lot of people that live in a suburb, very sprawl.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the U.S. is in a lot of ways a suburban nation, and and to your point that in Canada, people never really left the downtown in the US, everybody left the downtown and now they're all coming back.
2: It's still happening here in Canada. You still had major suburbs like here in Toronto, but in more in Montreal, the main cities and things like that. But however, the younger the millennials, they're coming back to, they're coming to the downtown. It was never really abandoned, but it needed the new, like, needed to be a little bit more vibrant in many cases. And that's happening definitely he, around here. Um, in, in, in Toronto, you see the different neighborhoods. Just if you go walk just a few streets, um, away from downtown Toronto, you'll see how vibrant those neighborhoods are. Um, They were not abandoned, but they're much better now. It's more exciting.
0: So this survey found that overwhelmingly people want to live in a live-work-play environment, 24-7 environment. Let's say I own a mall or an enclosed shopping center that's purely retail. Let's say maybe it's in a suburban location. Would it behoove me to take a portion of that, maybe a former department store, and put in some vertical uh apartments or or office. I mean, is that is that something that people want to live in what was once a a pure mall?
2: I think so. I think that it's this is already happening um in most um enclosed malls here in Canada. And also uh enclosed community centers. What people don't realize is there are a lot of small community centers that close here in Canada because of weather conditions. So um but even those centers now, uh, when I go around, let's say I was in Ottawa this weekend, looking at some of them, the the diversity of uh, like the tenant types, it's um, its not what it used to be when I grew up there. You, re- see, you really see the full spectrum right now. And I think people are really receptive to that, the better use of the parking lot, like used to have little pads, like parcels with restaurant. Now it's much more elaborate than that. Um, yes, you see a lot of residential, because don't forget that at the end of the day, Location is, is key here. A lot of those properties, um, they're built in like very close to parkways, highways, very busy streets. The traffic is there. So it's just a matter to like make them more appealing again near my parents place. Uh, and,
0: and, uh, so you, where you grew up in Quebec? uh, uh,
2: Yes, in Quebec, close to Ottawa. And I was amazed they built the senior, Resonance above a supermarket that in a U shape and it's connected to the community centers. They change the tenant, Max, and, and it's, it's right in close to the little downtown area. It's night and day, it totally revitalized the, this area. So, this is what's happening where before it was like a uh, Canadian tire that moved to a power center nearby. The 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 space, the anchor space was empty, and they decided to move a supermarket there and build a senior home above it.
0: I feel like the number one predictor of how healthy you're going to be as you age is how active you are. And I think about, you know, folks that are like, you know, my grandparents age, and they're maybe living in a a senior center that's completely isolated, and how can, how can you be active if you've got to take a bus to get everywhere? You know, it, it makes perfect sense for me. We should all be living and working all together in one place. If you want to learn more about what Jean and the rest of the team at ICSC Research are working on, check out their website. Go to ICSC.com and click on Research. And now let's go back to my conversation with Craig Patterson at Retail Insider. So shopping centers trying to attract new shoppers, something I've been hearing a lot um, during my brief visit to Toronto is a lot of interesting entertainment and pop-up concepts have you heard about this dr seuss pop-up concept that's coming to i think to square one yes what do you know anything about that like is are there a lot of these out there right now there's going to be more and uh, oxford properties is going
1: to be making some announcements and i can't say it publicly because i swore craig (laughs) come on just between us friends the dr seuss thing is exciting but it's not even close to being nearly as big as what is going to be announced pretty soon and um but it's it's going to be great, and for and I think first in the world actually. But with the Dr. Zeus concept, I mean, what they're looking at doing is pulling in people from a wider region. Uh, you know, bringing in families uh, with an experience center. So again, they're kind of using that West Edmonton Mall model, and they're bringing in something that's going to be entertaining that they're hoping to pull people in and perhaps have those same shoppers not go to say a competing shopping center that would be a few miles away or I should say kilometers because we're in Canada. But uh, <laughs> I, we use these things. Entertain. I still say square feet and I guess in Canada we should say square meter right but um, nevertheless you know anything that landlords can do to bring people in and to keep them entertained is being done now granted with the Dr. Seuss experience what is interesting is it's not technically in the shopping center it's a pad on the site and I predict that, uh, you know, Oxford Properties at some point will actually redevelop all of the land around square one with a lot of residential and other interesting stuff. Again, capitalizing on that asset to make more money, you know, institutional investors, pension funds. It's a way to make money for landlords, right? But uh, bringing the entertainment in as well as the amazing food hall that they've got there, uh, you know, these are all things that are, uh, you know, increasing foot traffic, uh, getting people to stay longer and to... Uh, come more frequently.
0: Yeah, I had a chance to pop in briefly to square one yesterday as well. Great shopping center. Uh, Is it a brand new food hall? I mean, how old is that? I opened in the spring. So yeah, it's only a few months old. It was March, I believe. Yep. What impressed me the most is that many a shopping center I go to, they slap the label food hall on a food court. And it's really just a food court. This actually felt like a food hall. They had unique individual vendors that I had not heard of. They had Trying to think of what they had. They had uh, these meat pies uh, for sale. They had a great quaint donut vendor. Uh, They had a, a Danish bakery, like cool stuff. I was really impressed. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, what's I think food halls are really neat. I mean, I hope we see more of them. I mean, not every food hall is going to be successful. Unfortunately, I'm not speaking specifically about Canada In the United States. They're much more developed and a little further ahead of us. But um, I think that uh, you know they're bringing an urban experience to a suburban market, which is kind of neat. Because you know, in say downtown Toronto, we've got the St. Lawrence Market, which has been around for you know hundreds of years. I don't know how many. It's very, very old. Uh, you know, and they've almost created these in these suburban shopping malls. Now, granted, to say that about Mississauga, you know, isn't quite accurate because it's you know it was a square one is almost kind of like the center of downtown Mississauga which is maybe a little bit confusing and there isn't like a main street that you would see traditionally with stores right it's Right.
0: and for listeners um, not from the area Mississauga is you'd call that a suburb of Toronto right or, uh, well, or is it something but some people would
1: say it's a city located next to Toronto because you know there's always an ego thing I got chastised for saying Burlington was a suburb of Toronto apparently it's a suburb I think of Hamilton or a community in between but it's it's confusing the GTA is this massive you know it's like almost nine million people live in the greater golden horseshoe and it's it's confusing but yeah it's it's a it's a city that's kind of basically connected to toronto to the west
0: and so mississauga is where square one is and there's a whole lot going on there's a there's like schools and people are working and living so it is kind of its own new urban district in a way with the mall as the center. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And actually, you know, I was just thinking right now, as you said that um, Mississauga, the way that it's developing its downtown core, is kind of like what we're seeing in China where, you know, some of the cities in China have actually developed where they didn't have, you know, these main street downtown cores that you would typically see, you know, in a more established, you know, older community that didn't grow so fast. So some of the shopping centers that we've seen in China have actually become the de facto downtowns and, you know, they're multi-level. They've got entire levels dedicated to, you know, food and beverage, and they've created these, you know, experience centers. And Square One is almost somewhat similar to that, which I think is really, really interesting.
0: All right. Well, Craig, we only have a little bit of time left. You live in downtown Toronto, live, work, play. So let's get your top three, you You're a snappy dresser. So I want the top place to shop. I want the top place to eat and the top place to be entertained in Toronto. You got it? (laughs) So what's your top shopping spot?
1: Oh, my God. That's a good question. I mean, I don't want to say Yorkdale. I mean, I've been up there quite a bit. But, you know, Bloor-Yorkville is... It's hard because Toronto's such a dynamic city. Uh, you know, Bloor-Yorkville is great for high-end shopping as well as some big brands. The CF Toronto Eaton Centre is just amazing. I mean, you've got everything from, you know, value-priced retailers up to, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue and Nordstrom and Hudson's Bay's, you know, global flagship. Um, you know, if you want cheaper stuff, like maybe where I got a couple of things here, there's the Toronto Premium Outlets that has stores like Gucci and Loro and, you know, Prada, or, you know, you can get them at about half price sometimes. So, you know, if you want a discount, go out there. Um, in far, as far as food, I'm waiting for Eataly to open. I mean, we had uh, chefs uh, Assembly Chefs Hall was in here earlier. Great, you know, great food halls here. But I'm really excited for this grocerant concept Eataly to be coming in. October, November is when it's going to open at the Manulife Centre on Bloor Street in Toronto. And to be entertained um i mean i find retail entertaining
0: Uh, (laughs) 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 people outside of the biz where might they go for a good time in in toronto (laughs) oh
1: my goodness i mean we've got this new concept called the rec room um it's not quite my cup of tea per se but uh you know there's one right by the cn tower uh i mean there's a lot of tourist attractions in toronto you know right by there's the ripley's aquarium you know you've Got all kinds of entertainment. Uh, if you're looking for something more historical, again, the St. Lawrence Market, which I guess is, you know, transcending back into the retail sphere. But, uh, you know, Toronto is just a very dynamic city that, uh, you know, I think the downtown core has an incredible grid, uh, you know, an incredible population that's exploding. And uh, it's a very dynamic place that I highly
0: recommend everyone visit if they haven't been. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Craig. This is just flown by as I knew it would because you have so many facts in your brain and I just want to pry them all out. Um, for our listeners today, if you've got a comment on today's show, you can leave a message on the Where We Buy hotline and we'll use your voice in an upcoming show. Give us a call at 602-633-4061. Be sure to tell us your name and where you're calling from. If you want to hear more interviews, more audio retail tours, and new research insights, you can subscribe to Where We Buy on the iPhone podcast app or on Spotify. And you can also listen to Craig's new podcast, which is called... Retail Insider Podcast. Maybe we'll change the name at some point. Probably not. <laughs> so if I go on my podcast app and I search for Retail Insider Podcast. You got it. We'll be there, hopefully. This is all of the insights on the Canadian retail scene I already subscribed but if I didn't I would subscribe again all right <laughs> thank you if you want to listen to our podcast online you can go to wherewebuy.show and a special thank you to ICSC that made this live podcast possible and that's a wrap <laughs> Let's get a drink.